And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the, well, Wednesday edition. It's the hump day edition of The Real Investment Show. Glad you could join us this morning, of course. Lots of stuff to get into. Has the market rally started? What's going on with Target and Walmart? What does that say about the consumer? And should you be buying what they're selling? Danny and I are going to start talking a little bit today about proprietary products. We're seeing a bunch of this stuff hitting the markets and kind of want to give you the, the, the good and the bad, right? The, uh, the pitfalls and perils of investing in, <laughs> in proprietary products. But we'll get into that this morning. Danny Ratliff will be joining me here shortly. Um, this morning, Target reported earnings and missed the mark across the board. And stocks to be down about 21% this morning. Just a huge hit. Came in at $2.19 and adjusted um, EPS versus $3.07. So a dramatic, you know, just a, a really wide miss. Now, this is following on the heels of Walmart's report yesterday. That stock down about 11% as well. Now, what is this telling us, of course, is that what we've been saying here, right? All of this great retail sales activity, all this stuff we saw from people getting checks to households has now run out and people are fighting between, you know, paying for gas and, and buying food and stuff at the store. So again, now all of a sudden we're starting to see the payback for all this free money. And again, this is showing up. This is going to show up in retail sales. This is going to show up in economic growth estimates, et cetera. And Walmart and Target, you know, if, if there was ever a bellwether, and again, this goes on the heels of Amazon as well. Amazon's report's not great. That stock's been down sharply this year since they reported earnings. So again, what, what Amazon and Walmart and Target are telling us is the state of the consumer. These are the bellwethers of what's going on with consumers. And, and look, you know, Generally, you know, you can put a lipstick on a pig, but this is, you can't do it with this pig. <laughs> I mean, it's just that bad really across the board. And again, stocks should be paying for that this morning uh, in terms of target. So again, you know, the, the thing to be cautious here, and as we've been talking about here for a while, is that the economy is slowing down. And what we're seeing coming in from Walmart and Target and others are exactly that. It is telling us that these, you know, the, the, the backbone of the economy, which is you and me and Brent and the stuff that we're buying, we are slowing down. We are buying less stuff. And particularly in that bottom 70, 80% strata of the economy that really hasn't benefited that much from rising asset prices and all this, they're really struggling to make ends meet because of higher gas prices, because of higher food prices, and they're going to have to make decisions. And remember now, what Target is reporting here is what has just been happening in the last quarter. So this is really kind of the important aspect here is that as we're reporting second quarter earnings, you know, at this at this juncture that um, you know, I'm sorry, first quarter earnings. This is this is for the first quarter of the year. This is where we just got into the new year and, and, and all that money that just started leaving the markets. You know, Target's reporting on that quarter going, hey, this was a terrible quarter. And again, 
I don't think it gets better as we get further into this year because there is no more stimulus checks coming and inflation is a problem. And, and it's just, and it is, it is causing people angst about where and how to spend money. You know, it's, it's interesting when you talk about gas prices uh, as, as a good example. You know, people are like, look, I, there, I was at a, uh, yesterday, I was at a, uh, uh, a mechanic shop getting my truck inspected and they had a big long line of, of vehicles uh, around this mechanic shop, you know, to do the inspections. And they were, they, they, at this particular place, you go there and you hand them your keys and they go take your car out and they go do their stuff and then they bring your car back. It's a very nice little facility. So there's about 15, 20 cars that are all lined up, you know, going through, getting their stuff done, et cetera. And, and so one of the guys comes in and he's like, by the way, did y'all know that your car is still running outside? Because they were just basically moving the cars. They'd leave the car running and just keep moving it through the lines they were going. He says, price of gas. I can't afford to have my truck just sitting out there running. <laughs> and I think this is, you know, this is the sentiment, right? You know, people are aware of what's going on. So again, that's really starting to weigh into a lot of these different things. Okay, let's talk about markets here real quick. Um, last couple of days, been nice days in the markets. It doesn't look like a whole lot has happened though. When you look at this chart, kind of going back to the beginning of this year, we're still in this well-defined downtrend. We still haven't you know, changed the dynamics of the markets at all. The good news is, is that we are you know, still you know, kind of working off some of that very oversold condition. That's been kind of playing into the market for the last three, four days here. We've had this kind of gentle rise in markets. Now this morning, markets are gonna open a bit weaker, primarily because of what's happening with Target and Walmart, et cetera. Those stocks really gonna kind of weigh on the indexes. But we are starting to see this kind of rotational rally in the market, starting to see markets recover here a bit. And again, it doesn't look like we've got a whole lot of action going on, but yesterday was a fairly decent advance in the markets. We had a nice update yesterday, really kind of very broad technology stocks leading the way yesterday. Uh, the MACD, not quite to a buy signal yet, but very close. If we can trigger that buy, this buy signal on the MACD, uh, that's the moving average convergence divergence indicator, just simply tells you what's happening with moving averages. But if we can get this to actually turn positive here, then it's very likely we could see this rally kind of extend its legs up here towards that 431 level on the S&P 500 ETF, this, the SPY. Um, again, kind of our tracking ETF that we're using. But again, we could see more lift in this markets if we can get you know, this MACD to turn positive. And this has been a real challenge. Uh, this, this moving average indicator has continued to really show a lot of pressure, selling pressure, particularly since that peak that we had here back in March. And that was just an excellent sell signal that was given back in March at that peak. We had sold some stocks there, reduced some of our risk, and that's been an excellent sell signal at this point, really just kind of defining this entire decline in the market since that March peak. Um, we could be very close here to turning that. The last time that we had a, a, a good buy signal set up, in the MACD was back in early March, set up for that very nice rally that we had during the month of March. Again, all that given up and more in April and May. But again, we're kind of back to that same setup again. So again, you know, as we talked about for the last couple of days, use this rally to rebalance risk. Dow's going to open down about 174 this morning. NASDAQ's going to be down uh, decently, probably a little more than half a percent. S&P is going to be under pressure as well. Not surprising though, again, just because we have a little bit of a sell-off today, 
It's not surprising, again, we've had four kind of updates here on green candles. Not surprising to have a little bit of a sell-off. The key will be, though, is that we don't have a sell-off that gives up the entirety of that previous four-day gain. That's the big risk here. Markets have been unable to really kind of establish a, a trending rise in the market. So we'll be watching very closely what happens today. But use this rally, whatever we get here, to kind of rebalance that risk. Because again, as we're watching here with what's going on between retail sales, what's happening with a lot of manufacturing indexes, et cetera, and, and this is something I'll talk about with Danny, there is a lot of indications that we're heading into a recession sometime later this year, and that would suggest continued pressure on asset prices and portfolios as we get further into the year. So we'll talk more about that this morning, along with proprietary products, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, stick around. More of that coming up on The Real Investment Show right here. Don't go away. daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Some people don't know about bonds. I am told this is a bond. I've never seen a bond before. I never owned a bond in my portfolio. It is terrifying. Get to know bonds in our next free Lunch and Learn. Thursday, June 2nd with Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Lance Roberts. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The thing about bonds with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to the show this morning. I'm your host, Lance Roberts. Um, so retail sales, that's really what's been going on this week. Watching that very closely, and it's not been great. Um, Walmart yesterday reporting disappointing numbers, stock down, you know, about 11 12% yesterday. Lows this morning, um, mixed estimates. Stock's going to be down about 3% this morning. The big news, as I said earlier, Target, uh, just a complete, uh, not even a, you can't even call it a miss. They weren't even in the same ballpark. Um, <laughs> you know, that stock's going to be down 20% this morning on Target, which is a very unusual move for a company like Target. And the miss was very unusual. Uh, the point about, the, uh, about this, though, is that, as we were talking about, you know, there's a lot of indications that, you know, all that free money that we put into the markets back in 2021 – and as we talked about, I wrote an article in 2020, or sorry, 20, early 21, uh, right after uh, the Biden administration did the last round of $1,400 checks to households, I wrote an article called Sugar Rush. And I said, you know, that doing this is fine. Giving people money is fine. But it's like, you know, giving your kids a bunch of sugar. They run around like crazy for like 30 minutes and you find them balled up in a corner somewhere. It's completely passed out, right? When And it's that when they crash off of that sugar, it just, you know, does that. And, and that's really what we've seen in the economy is we had this massive surge of sugar. 
And now we've got the payback. We've got the crash coming. And, and I don't mean that from a standpoint of like, oh, my God, freak out and you know, go put everything in the cash. I'm not saying that all, but I'm just using the metaphor of a sugar crash that that is, is kind of what is, is happening and what, what is going on. So, you know, we'll kind of see what happens here. Um, but what Target's telling us, what Walmart's telling us, et cetera, certainly doesn't bode well for, you know, stronger economic growth. And, and Danny was, and Danny and I were just talking, you know, a little bit earlier, you know, we're starting to see some of the same impacts that are now coming in to consumers in terms of the actions they're taking in terms of trying to deal with high prices. Yeah, we, we talked about consumers. Consumer spending has been through the roof. And, you know, now we're seeing that credit cards, uh, people are, are opening those once again quite a, quite a bit. And usually that would indicate either two things. That's an indication of they think things are going to get better and improve in the future, or maybe they need that just to live on. And that's what scares mm -hmm. me at the moment, Lance, is that, you know, we're seeing these cracks. We're seeing that people are beginning. I mean, each of my conversations that I have with people, you know, it's really a lot around cost. You know, every time, hey, every time I go to the grocery store, it's more expensive. Or, hey, I went and filled up today. You know how much it cost me? I mean, that, that is a problem. I'm doing the math in my head every time I drive to the office and thinking, wait a second now. Uh, these Zoom meetings are so bad. <laughs> exactly. They, no, they're definitely cheaper, especially when you have to fill up, you know, uh, on a regular basis. You know, if yeah. you drive, you know, if you live in the woodlands, as an example, and commute to Houston every day, that commute's gotten really expensive. It has. And, and, and those are things I think that people are beginning to see. So we we're also hearing it. We're looking at forward guidance. A lot of CFOs, especially uh, consumer staples companies are beginning to talk about, you know, maybe they, people are not buying that name brand anymore. They're buying more generic brands. They're beginning to shop. They're, they're clipping coupons. They're looking around for the best prices. And I think that that's an indication that, you know, people are starting to feel that pain. And so as they they do that, that's where we're going to have to be cautious. And I think that these numbers are interesting. We talked about retail sales. You know, retail sales numbers are good, yet Walmart, Target, Lowe's, everybody's off. And, you know, you mentioned they weren't even in the ballpark with Target. And so this would be an indication that maybe people are beginning to shift as far as they're thinking what they're doing. And, you know, we've talked about what higher prices, also higher interest rates due to the economy and due to especially margins of some of these larger corporations. We're beginning to see that kind of, uh, bleed through here, especially with the inflationary front, where it's going to be difficult to continue to pass that on to consumer. You know, that's been a big concern as well as we're, we're listening to these CEOs and CFOs. I think that, you know, we're beginning to see some of that come through. Yeah, exactly. And look, you know, this is, and again, you know, the reality is that this is, none of this is surprising, right? Now, you shouldn't be going, oh my gosh, we never saw this coming because, you know, it's quite evident that the actions that we took we're going to have a payback. You know, there's for every action, there's a reaction. And and for and, and the problem with all these ideas that come out of government, and, and again, what we did with checks was this, you know, with Stephanie Kelton's moment in the sun in terms of modern monetary theory. And she's she's been making this claim for years that, oh, you can, you know, the government can just print money and give it to people and it's completely fine. And and, and it, it won't have any impacts. And if you have higher inflation, which is the only limiter of modern monetary theory, then all you have to do is hike taxes. Well, the problem is, is that we've got raging inflation and nobody can hike taxes because that's a very unpopular thing to do in government. So if you want to get reelected, which we're now in a midterm, trying to hike taxes on people are not a great way to do that. So, 
we're not following the rules. And this is always the problem with these monetary theories that the reality is ultimately at the end of the day, nobody can actually follow the rules because of politics and reelections and, you know, political action committees, et cetera, <laughs> that, you know, all have their own agenda. And so what we wind up with is the is one part of the theory but not the other part of theory. Let me give you a good example. This goes, and this isn't new, by the way. Modern monetary theory and what that, what we're doing now isn't new in terms of government. We've been following Keynesian economic theory since the 1970s. And what Keynesian economic theory says in government is that when you have a downturn in the economy, the government should step in and spend money until and. and and right, and so the government should step in and spend money until you get kind of get the economy back going again. And all that's all politicians heard. Right? They just said, oh, if there's a downturn, then we spend money. And everybody liked this. And this is why, starting with Reagan, we've been building a deficit greater and greater and greater. We had really no deficit to speak of prior to, to the Reagan administration. Um, now we're at $30 trillion uh, in debt, and we're running a trillion dollar deficit and these type of things. That didn't exist previous to this, but when we implemented Keynesian economic policy, everybody says, oh, if spending a little money is good, spending a lot should be a whole lot better. What they didn't hear, see, the other half of the Keynesian economic theory says the government steps in to spend money during economic downturn until the economy gets back on track. And when you have economic growth, then the government rebuilds a surplus to prepare for the next recession. See, we, don't, we didn't hear that part, right? We never heard the cut spending and reduce your debt and get out of your deficit mode. We, we didn't hear any of that. And the same thing with, with modern monetary theory and all these other things. The spending part sounds great. We love the spending part. We don't like the fixing part, <laughs> which is the reversal of it. And that's why we keep winding up in these situations. And, and again, what's happening here in the economy is not surprising, right? We, we injected the economy with trillions of dollars in both monetary and, and fiscal liquidity, expecting no consequence. But there's always consequences, and it's an unintended consequence, as is always the case. And, and the question is now is, is, what do we do about it? We can't buy ourselves out of debt. I mean, we can't just <laughs> issue more. Yeah. It, well, that's the problem, right? So, so we've continuously gone down this path, and, and there's no end in sight. And now you're at, a, you're at an issue where you need to do something about it, and raising taxes seems to be the, the smart thing to do because there's no other way. We have to remember, the government has no, they don't produce anything. It's you and I and, and all of us that they are going to be the debt. ones. Yeah, they produce debt. <laughs> it's, it's about right. <laughs> they don't produce anything of substance uh, or, yeah. or economic benefit other than debt. And you talked about you know, often how many dollars it creates to, to create an additional dollar that they have mm -hmm. to create. It's, it's just a, it's a cycle. And so unfortunately, we're stuck in this. And now you're already seeing consumers and people with less money in their pocket and going to raise taxes. I mean, it's just it's they're just blind to the to the real issues, unfortunately. Yeah. And but we don't want the other issue or the other way to solve this, which would be austerity, yeah. which would be would dev devastating oh, yeah, no. economically. Well, it, it, it doesn't have to see. This is the problem with austerity. Right. Everybody just assumes that you have to go into this, you know, massive slash and burn mode. Right. Yeah. And, and no, I mean, you know, look, we could start getting ourselves out of this problem a little bit over time. And again, look, you have the, there's two choices with debt and deficits. You have you have two choices. You didn't get yourself into this problem overnight. It's like getting fat, 
right? You didn't get fat overnight. You're not going to get skinny overnight, right? It's it, it took you a long time to get out of shape. It's going to take you a long time to get back into shape, and that's just the way it works. Unfortunately, there's just no quick remedy. You know that's why there's a, you know, a multi-billion-dollar business and you know a, a, all types of pills and gimmicks and gadgets that will you know promise to make you thin overnight, and it's just not the way it works. And it's not, the, and it's the same way with debt. We didn't get into this debt problem overnight. We're not going to get out of it overnight. But Danny, what we could do is, is we could start with some simple things like getting rid of baseline budgeting in government, where every year spending goes up by eight percent automatically, and we return back to just actually. Oh, and by actually not having that, a budget. But if you don't use it, you lose it. Is another issue that they have with the way they they do budgeting. Exactly. And and so look, here's your budget and. And, and but but again, so that's one way, and that's that's just something that slows the rate of spending. You know, actually having a budget would be a good process to have instead of just running on continuing resolutions that also include this eight percent spend ending eight uh, percent spending increase on an annual basis. Yeah, how do we ever get to that? They don't even give COLA cost of living adjustments or Social Security for that. <laughs> but yet here we go, government eight percent every year. Exactly. Uh, so so. So these are these are things that we, these are small steps that we could do, and the, and the problem is is and again, kind of going back to our you know health metaphor, you know you can get overweight and stay overweight, and you're going to eventually you have a choice. You can either get yourself back into shape and be healthy, or your body's going to rebel and you're going to have a heart attack or some cata, you know catastrophic accident you know down the road health wise. It's the same way with government. We have the choice to start cutting back on spending slowly doing some supports along the way to help you know to help ease the transition a bit but start working our way out of the debt situation to get to stronger organic economic growth which would then also help or you can keep going down this path and eventually the debt will have its own consequences and then it's out of your control and the debt structure will fix the problem itself and that's the part you don't want to be in you're right back after the break The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Some people don't know about bonds. I am told this is a bond. I've never seen a bond before. I never owned a bond in my portfolio. It is terrifying. Get to know bonds in our next free Lunch and Learn. Thursday, June 2nd with Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Lance Roberts. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The thing about bonds. With Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. All right, welcome to the show this morning. Uh, futures down a little bit this morning. NASDAQ looks to be down about 1% at the open. Um, S&P down about 70 bips and Dow down about 50 bips at the open here. Not surprising. Um, again, you know, we've had, you know, three, four days of good rally here. So 
A little bit of a pullback here. Not surprising. The, the important thing is that if this rally is going to continue, we have to not give up all of yesterday's gains, right? And that's going to be the, the important thing. So if the market can, you know, opens down a little bit this morning and then kind of holds the lows and then kind of rallies back a little bit intraday, sells off a little bit, you know, around, you know, lunchtime and then rallies back towards the end of the day. And even if it finishes negative today, but off the lows, that will be very positive price action uh, for the market. So a little profit taking, don't freak out today. Um, you know, tomorrow we'll have a little bit better gauge on what the rally is looking like now and, and how much further we have to go. And as I said at the open this morning, we're still oversold here. We're very close to triggering a MACD buy signal. All of that would suggest that this rally should have um, some more legs to it. But again, this isn't a rally back to new highs. This isn't a return of the bull market. This is a sellable rally that you'll want to reduce risk into and rebalance your portfolio. So just keep that in mind. Um, speaking of that, let's talk a little bit about proprietary products. This is one of the things that I, I've been getting a lot of emails lately. I think Danny has been too. Um, this is about the time uh, during markets like this that Wall Street starts coming out with a whole bunch of new inventions and new gadgets and widgets to sell you because they, they were selling you the ARC funds and those type of things, you know, during the ripping bull market. And now they're starting coming out and selling you all the other stuff. So um, be careful with proprietary investments. And these are investments that are produced by, you know, JP Morgan. And they have a, as an example, I'm just, it's Wells Fargo, it's, it's everybody, right? Every Goldman Sachs does it. Every private bank, every, every big wirehouse, yeah. big institution. Anybody that can create product comes out with a, with their own proprietary products. And in a lot of cases, there's you know nothing wrong with them, right? So JP Morgan has an S&P 500 index fund. There's nothing wrong with that. It just tracks the index. So you want to be more careful with the proprietary products that are a bit more esoteric in nature. You know, private real estate funds, you know, those type of things. They sound good on the surface. And I've been getting a lot of calls here lately about structured notes um, and, and structured products. And these are the ones, they sound really good. They go, oh, well, you can invest in this. And if the market goes down 20%, you don't lose any money. But if it goes down 21%, you pretty much lose everything, right? <laughs> and so they've got these buffers and, and breakers and all this type of stuff. And it. it sounds great, but there's a tremendous amount of risk. And the, and the problem with these things are they, are they are incredibly illiquid. If you do want to sell them, the only market maker in them are the people that issued them. So in a lot of cases, you, you can get out, but you're going to get out at a very big discount of your original value. So, you know, again, I'm not saying that every proprietary product is bad. They're not. But you've got to really understand and kind of read the fine print of what you're getting yourself into. Danny? Well, I think that's a really good example. I mean, liquidity seems to always be an issue, but, you know, I think it goes a lot further than just that. You know, you talked about a structured uh, note or, you know, we're hearing about structured annuities. I mean, those are things that have been around for some time. When the markets are doing great, nobody really is very inclined to go look at those types of products. But I'm getting a lot of calls and emails recently saying, hey, my, you know, my brother said that, you know, I need to go look at this. His advisor is, is using this. And we start talking about, okay, the ins and outs of some of these things. And while on the surface, some of these things sound great. The problem is, is that 
you know, like Lance mentioned, you know, there, there are certain buffers that you, you may or may not need. Um, there's also, you know, when I feel like if you're going to be an active money manager and you're going to actively reduce risk, you're going to take on additional risk at different times, it's probably unnecessary. But Lance, some of these things, especially on the annuity side, you know, I'm hearing about people trying to utilize these products at younger and younger ages. I'm talking about 30s and 40s. And they have to understand if it's if it's taxable funds, you're going to have to keep these in there for an extended period of time or you're going to be subject to an additional 10% penalty on your gains. So there's going to be some problems with how people are using these. So I think we have to be very careful as far as how we move forward. And, and you know, some of these things can be great. I think, you know, some of my comments are typically, look, it's psychologically this is the only way for somebody to be in the market. It's probably better than not being in the market. Right. You know, because I think long term, you're going to look back and say, okay, we're, we're in a better spot. But, you know, when we tack on all the fees, the additional expenses, or the cap to the upside, a lot of those things like we were talking about, you're also going to have, if they're going to give you a buffer to the down, they're going to give you a buffer to the top, meaning they're, they're only going to let you participate in so much of that upside. Right. So those are all things that need to be considered. But Lance, you know, talking about proprietary products, I'm seeing a lot of other things as well where more commonly used types of investments like mutual funds, where somebody will be in a mutual fund at a specific institution. And this institution may be able to utilize uh, or work with people in a number of different ways. And if you wanted to transfer these funds, you're unable to because they only sell that within their own accounts. Mm -hmm. And so this is creating tax problems, it's creating problems with people um, having difficulty trying to sell or just to move if they don't like the, the strategy or their advisor, they have to literally liquidate everything. And so if you're out there and you're in some of these types of products, this is probably something you need to ask yourself. Is this really a long-term gig here? Um, is this something that I could manage or somebody else could? And you know, the problem is, is that everybody's been buy and hold because things have been so good. Now we're finding, you know, we talk about most people say, well, we're passive investors. Well, you're passive until you're not, right? <laughs> and and now people are becoming less and less passive because of the environment that we're in. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as you're doing it with some type of strategy. Yep. The issue though, Lance, is that it's very difficult to unwind some of these things or to take it over anywhere else. Yeah, let me let me I just want to clarify that point you made because you, you kind of glossed over it a little bit, but I think it's incredibly important. So, you know, let's say that you have an account right now, and I'm just picking on the the leader, you know, kind of the mob boss of the, you know, main mafia, Wells Fargo. Um, you know, so you have an account there and they have you all in Wells Fargo funds. Mm -hmm. And and again, this is completely okay as long as you're not gonna leave. So you've been there a long time, you've got a long-term relationship, and you know, things happen, right? The advisor that you've worked with for 10 or 15 years, he retires. And so now you're out looking for a new advisor or, or something happens at the bank, like they open a bunch of accounts in somebody else's name and charge you for it. They would never do that, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, you know, but you, know, you say, well, I'm upset, I wanna leave and go somewhere, I wanna change banks, right? Well, the problem is what Danny was saying is that when you go to move your assets, to say you're going to move your assets to Charles Schwab and you're going to hire an independent advisor to manage your money. Well, when they go to do the transfer, and let's say you've got some nice gains built up in these funds, like Danny was saying, when you go to do that transfer, those funds won't necessarily, and not in all cases, but in a lot of cases, these proprietary funds won't transfer, as Danny said, they're proprietary to that investment bank they won't transfer to another custodian. So you've got to liquidate them, which means you now either have to stay at that particular bank to avoid the capital gains, or you're going to have to pay the capital gains tax to transfer those funds. Again, not every fund that is 
issued by a institution is not transferable. Just in a lot of cases, they are. And you just need to be aware of this because it can really kind of screw you up down the road if something happens. And, and so, you know, the thing that we always talk about, and again, with today's, today's environment, there's so many low-cost index mutual funds, so many low-cost ETFs, individual stocks that are widely distributed, completely liquid, very transferable, it just, and, and have generally lower fees. And, and we haven't even talked about the fee structure. A lot of these proprietary funds, they have higher fees. So you can lower your cost, increase your liquidity, and have flexibility in the event something in your life changes. So, uh, and again, you can, you can make these changes now, even at your current custodian. So if you've got a bunch of proprietary funds, just start slowly working yourself out on use this rally. We're going to use this rally to rebalance risk. We'll use this rally to start rebalancing into a Vanguard fund or, you know, an S&P 500 ETF, you know, whatever it is, and, and create that liquidity in your portfolio and that transferability in case you need to move or in the event of your estate when you pass away and you pass these to your children and they have investment accounts at other firms, they can simply and easily move these things to you know other firms as, as needed so just something to think about well a couple points on that i mean i think that you know if somebody passes right now you do get the step up in cost basis which would make it a heck of a lot easier to move right but do we want to wait i mean i hear people we have we have these conversations frequently like well i don't want to pay capital gains i get it i don't either but you know what it, it it's a good problem i'd rather pay capital gains than not that means we're making money and you know there's a couple ways that we can avoid that it's death or you can just wait and see if it's eroded. I mean, you know, we have all the time in the world, right? And, and that's the problem with some of these strategies is that it's very difficult to unwind. And so you do have to be cautious. Lance, that was a good point. You know, you said, well, XYZ Bank has this, this uh, mutual fund. Well, sometimes I'm even seeing they go a step further where they may have this mutual fund, but then they have a fund that's almost identical. Mutual fund A, you can move. You can move it anywhere you want. Mutual fund B, basically the same thing. You can't. You're stuck with it. Yeah. And so that's an interesting dynamic that we're beginning to see in a shift in kind of how some of these places are doing business. And I don't know if it's because it holds people captive. Um, that, that may be the case. Yeah. But it is something that we're seeing time and time again right now. And look, paying capital gains, not not terrible, but certainly something that we want to be able to control and be a little bit more strategic with than just saying, hey, you need to make a move. And I'm sorry, everything has to go. Yeah. All right, quick break, come back. I, I want to touch on... Uh, Interesting comments from the Target report this morning and just to kind of refl a reflection back on the economy. But they said something very important as it relates to inflation. And we'll talk about that when we come back from the break with Danny Ratliff. Don't go away. Investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Some people don't know about bonds. I am told this is a bond. I've never seen a bond before. I never 
owned a bond in my portfolio. It is terrifying. Get to know bonds in our next free Lunch and Learn. Thursday, June 2nd with Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Lance Roberts. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The thing about bonds with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. All right, so I want to come back. Welcome back to the show, by the way. Danny Ratliff joining me this morning. Um, Inflation. You know, we've been talking about for a while now on the show that inflation is a monetary phenomenon. And as we were talking earlier about the government and how when it comes to, to monetary theories, either, you know, modern monetary theory or Keynesian economic theory, they only hear one part of the theory, which is the spend money part, right? We like that part. We don't like the save money part, right? Nobody likes that. Well, when it comes to inflation, everybody's only heard one part of the inflation story, which is from Milton Friedman. The story is, is that inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. And so everybody goes, well, see, we have inflation. It's like, yes, we have inflation because of monetary intervention. And it has nothing to do with the Fed. This is all about the government sending checks to households. And so we, we talked about this and what and the other part of Milton Friedman's statement is the consumer doesn't cause inflation. The greedy corporations don't cause inflation. We've heard that story from the government here recently. It's all the fault of the energy companies creating inflation. Um, it's not their fault. Right. It's not their fault they sent checks to households. It's the greedy corporations trying to get more profits. It's Russia. It's all these other factors that are leading to inflation. That's not the case at all. It's the fact that we sent money to households and shut down the economy. That's why we have inflation. And so what we've been talking about here on the show is that inflation is temporary because as that money, that flood of money reverses and leaves the system, you are now going to have disinflation as that occurs. Everybody's like, oh, my gosh, we've got 8% inflation. It's always going to be here, and it's now permanent. And and there are certainly some things in the economy that are going to make inflation more persistent, right, but not permanent. And what Target is telling us and what Walmart told us, too, they said something very important. What Target said today is inventories are now a problem. Walmart said exactly the same thing. And this is, in fact, uh, Target's results mirrored, this is a quote from CNBC this morning, Target's results mirrored Walmart's quarterly earnings performance. Walmart reported on Tuesday it also missed earnings, citing higher inventory and numerous cost pressures. That's deflationary language, right? Because why do we have, so let's go back, why do we have high inflation? We have too much money. Too little inventory because we shut down the economy. Now what do we have? Now we have not enough money, as Danny was talking about a little earlier, right? People are going to have to take out credit cards now because they're running out of money and they've got to go find a source of money to help pay the bills. And we've got too much inventory now reported by both Walmart and Target, which if it won't, and by the way, if you don't understand this, Walmart is like twice the size of Amazon in terms of annual sales. They are huge. (laughs) And if there's a bellwether of 
the consumer in the economy, it's Walmart. Target right behind it, Amazon right behind it. All of them now reporting issues with cost pressures, meaning costs are having, you know, have, they're having costs that are impacting their profit margins and citing higher inventory builds, which is a deflationary pressure in the economy. High prices are a cure for high prices. And we're now starting to see this show up in earnings. So we very likely saw the peak in inflation in April. Now, it may moderate here a little bit, right? We may flip around here a little bit because we do have higher oil prices. We do have some other impacts in the economy. House prices run on a lag. So house prices are still high, but um, the jump in interest rates are now starting to impact mortgage applications. Mortgage applications were down 12% on an annual basis. So, you know, we're starting to see that impact. So what we call homeowners equivalent rent, which makes up about 25% of the CPI calculation, hasn't come down just yet. It runs a bit of a lag and it will likely come down uh, over the next few months. So there is going to be more pressure on inflation, lower rates of inflation as we calculate it you know, going forward. And so this is going to be another headwind for markets as well once we start seeing some of these deflationary pressures sink in, particularly as we start having economic growth slow towards a recession. So these are things that we're all going to be needing to monitor, but pay attention to what these companies are saying um, because they're all telling you, a lot of these companies are all telling you the same thing, that the consumer is slowing down, inventories are rising, cost pressures and wage pressures are impacting profit margins. And importantly, earnings estimates for U.S. corporations have not come down. They've actually been going up in the first quarter, believe it or not. So there's, there's some real headwinds out later this year for the markets. Doesn't mean the markets are going to crash 50%, anything like that. It's just there's going to be a limit to prices rising until valuations start to reflect what forward earnings growth is actually going to look like. So that's one of the things to be paying attention to here. Well, that's interesting, you know, thinking about where things are going, especially with earnings estimates as high as they've been, you know, thinking about the inflationary pressure and, you know, talking about, you know, inflation really is not necessarily we don't think inflation is going to be there. We're going to always have some sort of inflation. But remember, for, you know, better part of over a decade, we've been trying to get just a 2% inflation. So like you mentioned, a lot of this mm -hmm. thing was man-made. It was created. Um, yes, we have the, the supply chain logistical aspect of it. But we also had, you know, household paychecks coming out from the Treasury Department that they said, hey, here, here's all this money. Oh, by the way, don't, you don't have to pay for your essential items. You know, you're going to get a moratorium on your mortgage or rent any of these additional things, student loan debt, and, you know, call your credit provider. They'll probably give you uh, some type of leeway or lax or put your payments to the end of your plan. And so a lot of people took advantage of it, which created that additional demand for things. Now we also have, you know, obviously the, the price of energy, geopolitical pressures, fertilizer, which are all causing, you know, the price of goods to go up and rise. Those things will smooth out over time. And it doesn't mean, you know, we're not going to see this eight plus percent inflation it just means that we're likely going to see less of it. And over time, it will subside at some point. Um, you know, it's interesting. You know, we talk about wage growth, all the things that are that, you know, we're seeing in some pockets, but not in others. Regardless, it's not enough. And I don't know when we're going to get to where, you know, if we continue that, just like, you know, the uh, child tax credit was inflationary in nature. But then you take that away, you still have that inflation. And people, you give them a little bit more money. What's that going to do to everything else? It's going to make everything else go up. Yeah, this, this is the thing that nobody understands is that if I give you money, right, and, and 
which is great. You've now got money to spend. Everybody knows that Danny now has money. So if, if Danny goes to spend his money, everybody does what? They charge more, right? I mean, it's like, oh, you've got money to spend? Yeah, I'm going to raise my prices. And this is the whole problem with trying to fix child, you know, with child tax credits and child, you know, child care, um, you know, after school care, whatever you want to call it, programs that we're going to send more money to families so they can put their kids into daycare, preschool, whatever. That sounds great. And for one year, it's awesome. And then everybody figures out that you've got money to spend from the government, so they're all going to raise their prices, which is, a, is a, a lesson that we should have learned from college tuition over the last 10 years of watching what government takeover of the, of the student loan debt problem has now caused for, for the U.S. economy. And now we're trying to figure out how to forgive the debt because, you know, nobody can afford to go to college, right? You know, we don't learn. our. The problem is, is that in government, we have people that are there for a career and they just want to get reelected. Doesn't mean they're actually smart people at all. And it also doesn't mean that they really care about what happens in the economy. They just want to stay elected so they can live in that bubble that they live in, which is very nice. You know, private jets and five-star dinners and, you know, hotels and travel and all kinds of stuff. And, and honestly, the ability to have power, right? And so why would I want to give that up? I really don't care about the people or the economy. I just care about staying in power. And, you know, until we solve that problem, we're not going to solve these other problems. Yeah, and I think a lot of people go in there with good intent. You think that you're going to go in there and change the world. You get there and realize that that's probably not the case and you're going to have to play the game. And then you find out you really like it. Yeah, and then and once you're in the game, you're trapped. So yeah. it's it's pretty much done. Uh, a few other companies out reporting earnings this morning. Uh, as we said, Target is going to be down about 22% pre-market. Um, missed earnings, missed sales. Guidance was terrible. Lowe's down 2.9% pre-market. Um, uh, comparable same source sales were down. Walmart down another 1.9% after their report yesterday. They were down about 11% yesterday on top of it. Uh, Carrier Global uh, down 2.7%. Uh, downgraded this morning. They're an HVAC manufacturer. Um, Penn National Gaming um, got upgraded this morning to a buy. Uh, you know, people still want to gamble regardless of the economy. That's one. That's a recession-proof industry right there. Shoe Carnival. Um, everybody loves Shoe Carnival, right? Cheap shoes. Uh, footwear retailer reported quarterly profit of 95 cents, 90 cents above estimates. Also re, uh, beat on revenue. That stock is up after raising their full-year outlook. So they're up about 1% this morning. Analog devices um, also up this morning, reported better profits and earnings. And uh, Container Store. Because if you have too much crap, you got to store it somewhere. Container Store helps you organize your storage. Up uh, 8.2% pre-market because of better-than-expected reports in the latest quarter and, and aiming to now hit $2 billion in sales by 2027. $2 billion in sales of containers. Think about what you could be doing in your own business. This is what I talked about yesterday. You know, yesterday I was talking about starting your own business. You don't have to build a better mousetrap, right? Just... Better service, better product, you know, whatever it is. This is a company that built contain uh, built a business on containers, <laughs> boxes. <laughs> you know, for years we were all storing them in cardboard boxes, completely fine. They had to come out with the plastic ones. Now they're gonna sell two billion of them. So there you go. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you can do this. This is the beauty of capitalism. You can start a better business. That's all there is to it. Danny, thanks so much for joining today. Yes, sir. Uh, upcoming event, real quick. Next event's going to be June 2nd. It's going to be Richard, myself, and the infamous Lance. Uh, we're going to talk about bonds. Yep. 
and uh, what are they, how to use them. So many misunderstandings about what bonds are and how they work. We'll, we'll get into all the, the nitty-gritty details and math. So you'll need a calculator, a pencil, a napkin, and lunch. <laughs> and we'll get through it. Anyway, that's coming up on June the 2nd. You can register online at realinvestmentadvice.com. Also, check out our digital platform, simplevisor.com. Lots of changes coming our, coming that way as well. We're now moving all of our proprietary research onto that platform over the course of the next year or so. So lots of new stuff getting built there. If you have any questions or comments, of course, send us those emails, realinvestmentadvice.com. See you back here tomorrow.